Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's special event here at the Apple Store Sydney. Would you please welcome our host, Jay Blanick. How are you doing tonight? This is a really exciting time for Apple. Uh, the interest in health and fitness apps is at an all-time high, and with the launch of the Apple Watch, we're seeing people live a better day by being more active and being motivated and inspired in ways that were never possible before. One of the greatest parts about Apple getting deeper into health and fitness, though, is the opportunity to meet and make many new friends from the health and fitness space. And I'd like to bring her out right now, one of our great new friends from Australia. I know she doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway because the list of things that she's accomplished is so amazing. Most of you know her as the straight-talking trainer from The Biggest Loser. She is the author of 12 books. The most recent is Powerful Living. She's been featured on the cover of many magazines, including Australia Women's Weekly and Women's Health. She is an ambassador for the Australian Institute of Fitness and the creator of the 12-week 12, 12 body transformation that I believe recently has helped Australians lose over a million kilos. And she's a supporter of a great many charities, including the RSPCA, the Black Dog Institute, and the Mother's Day Classic. Could you please help me welcome one of the world's most beloved fitness experts, Michelle Bridges. Well, I've got to say, it's a pleasure to be on stage with you because Jay is very well known in the fitness uh, industry all over the world. So it's actually a thrill to be here speaking with you. Well, thank you. I love you even more now. That's really nice. Tick. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I, I want to start back at your beginnings because I've read something recently about you that I thought was just fantastic, and that is that it appears that you have been destined to be a fitness motivator since the very, very beginning. So I heard that even at the age of 14, you were asking your school teachers to teach fitness classes to the smokers and the folks that were non-sporty and sort of like your life's calling even at an early age. Is that, what, where's your spark come from and has this always been an interest of yours? It's, it's very true. Uh, I went to my, it was my very first business pitch and I went to my school mistress and said, I can teach fitness to all of the kids, you know, who are pretending on a Wednesday afternoon when we do sport, they're pretending to do their homework with a teacher that's pretending to watch over them in one of the classrooms when everyone goes off to do sport. And I really thought that they were missing out. So I pitched to her that I could teach them fitness classes. I had absolutely no clue what I was doing except for the fact that I owned a set of leg warmers and I had some mixed tapes, so I thought I could do that. So, and, and I proceeded to, and then I went down to my local squash court after a couple of months of doing it and said, 14, I'm really good at teaching fitness and you guys need me. And they actually said yes. So then I was let loose on the general public at the age of 14. These people were clearly on drugs. And you haven't looked back since? I haven't looked back since, but I, I truly did this because uh, I've been involved in sport all my life. I was good at some, I was really good at others, and I was terrible at others, you know, I just, but I loved it. I love, fell in love with the competition of sport, but what I truly fell in love with was uh, the training. 
which a lot of people hate the training and love the, the game on the weekend, but they hate all the training in between. I loved both because even at a very young age, at the age of um, seven and eight even, I was getting, I got very distinctly in my head that I was learning about commitment, I was learning about discipline, I was learning about respect, I was learning how to be a team player, I was learning how to be a star performer, I was learning some big lessons like how to win, one of the biggest lessons in the universe, how to lose with dignity. Uh, that took me a while. Um, and I got that at that, a very young age that I was getting these lifelong lessons that you, as an adult, you want to have your children take on board uh, and, and pass, you know, and have them through their life. I got this from my sport. I understood that at a really early age and I thought, these kids are missing out. So I'm not going to teach them sport, but I'm going to teach them something that's going to give them a sense of self. I don't know. I was 14. I was laying in bed at night. Remember, I remember distinctly laying in bed at night going, I'm going to be doing something where I'm speaking to large groups of people about something that's really positive. Oh, my God. If I get married and have kids, how am I going to have time to cook dinner? Hang on a minute. I'm 14. I don't know how to cook dinner now. I distinctly remember these conversations going on in my head back then. I think it's interesting that comment you made about sport and activity because there is actually a lot of research that kids and especially young girls that participate in sport at an early age, the incidence of teenage pregnancy, the incidence of drug use, and I think your point about giving yourself a sense of self through sport or activity is really really important. I'm sure you've seen that, you know, I through all of your experiences. I, I truly, I truly, in my heart, I believe it. Particularly in this day and age, 2015, I'm sitting in the Apple store, for goodness sakes. This is the, like, the mecca of technology. Um, this is the world we live in. So we don't get a chance to go out and kill a wild buffalo and drag it back. You know, we don't get a chance to fight for our nation necessarily or for our tribe. You know, we don't get a chance, particularly for men, we don't get a chance to get out there and be physical like we're supposed to be. Uh, in, in all senses, not just the physicality, but the, the stress and anxiety that it releases. So the way we, we do it in the year 2015 is through exercise. And we know, the research tells us that it is so damn good for us, not just to get into our size 10 skinny jeans, but for how we feel mentally and how it allows us to live in a life that we live with so much you know, anxiety and stresses and workloads and pressures and responsibility and accountability and all the things that we have to deal with in this era that our grandparents never had to deal with. We can cope with it so much better when we are looking after ourselves through exercise. And it's not just about getting skinny, Jay, you know that. It's about, it's about finding a sense of inner self, it's about finding your confidence, and it's about believing in who you are and what you're capable of. You can get that through exercise. I truly believe it. I see it all the time. It's a, it's a really great message. I obviously feel the same way. And I was thinking about this earlier. There's probably very few people on the planet who have had as many different experiences in exercise and sport and fitness, from the books you've read to the programs you've done online, from the people that have watched you and shared their stories. And I wonder if you, if you might have a couple of your highest arching principles and tips, like for someone trying to get more active or someone maybe trying to move to the next level, what have you learned that you feel is sort of a universal principle that people could take with them to sort of make their life better from a health perspective? I think uh, there's so much information out there today. 
You just you don't need, even need to buy one of my books to tell you how to eat well or exercise well. You can just Google it, right? It's all out there. So how come we're still so messed up around our health, our weight, our mental health? You know, it's because we, we aren't actually actioning it. Uh, we've, we've got a whole bunch of roadblocks that are sitting in front of us that we, you know, in a self-sabotaging way, most often, well, I would say 100%, we put them there ourselves. So, you know, anybody that's read any of my books, I have a lot of people that come up to me and go, my God, I was so not expecting what you wrote in your book. Like, here I was thinking you were going to teach me how to eat lettuce and do a squat, and instead you actually gave me some really fundamental understandings of who I am, who I no longer want to be, who I want to be, drawing a line in the sand and making some really big dis changes and, and decisions around, you know, how I want to live my life. And that is, the, that is the, the, the key fundamental aspect because I can teach someone how to exercise, I can teach someone how to cook or how to shop for food and put recipes together, but until you've understood what is going on upstairs and the reason why you are holding yourself back from getting what it is you want, then the exercise and the food's going nowhere. So I'd use lots of different drills and conversations with people to get to the crux of it. You know, like a, one of the best questions you can ever ask yourself is what is truly important to you? Or what would, you, what, what would make you the most proudest of yourself? What could you do to make you the most proudest of yourself? And then you start following actions that get you to that place. Because I always believe that people have a capability level that sits up here. We're all capable of so much, but what we're actually doing often sits here. And the gap between what you're actually doing and what you're capable of, this is what's called an integrity gap. And inside of this gap lives depression, disillusionment, anxiety, upset. And the closer you can close the gap, or the, the, best, you, the best way you can, the more you can close the gap, the more you can get rid of those kinds of uh, human feelings. And you can live uh, a happier life, or a life that you've said that you want for yourself. Now, I know that sounds completely out of the ballpark of exercise and nutrition, which is what I'm supposed to be about. But what I truly it am... It starts a, there. Yeah. It starts there. You have to know what it is you want. You have to understand what, it, what your best version of yourself looks like and what it is that you want to achieve, what you're capable of. And then you start implementing actions that get you closer to that place and close the gap. Does that... No, it, it, what I think is interesting is I've often talked about how when people get started on a fitness program, the, the space they're thinking about is actually step two or three rather than step zero or step one, because which, as you do, said, Because why do people start and stop? Why, I can't do it. They get on that roller coaster because there's something that's stopping them. It's not the food. It's not the lack of exercise. It's something that's going on up here. And, and it doesn't mean that we're going to solve the problem, but if we can start to acknowledge what that is or what those things are, because it's not usually one thing, it's usually several, uh, then we can start to get smarter and outmaneuver our pitfalls and outmaneuver our weaknesses. And once we get to that place, or at least start working on that, <laughs> weight loss is just a byproduct. Comes. Yeah, it was, just comes. So speaking of small steps, I think what's been really interesting in the last couple of years is more and more research that's directing us to understand that actually one of the best ways to be healthier through activity is not 
dedicated hardcore workouts, although that's great if you can do it, but actually figuring out how to make your life more active to sort of reverse the fact that life nowadays has made us less active. Um, with small steps like that, when people think about their day and how they can actually make it more active, what are some practical tips that you might suggest to people about just sort of transforming their day to sort of be less sedentary and more active? Yeah, and it, you're quite right. It's about what I call informal activity as opposed to formal activity. A formal activity might be going to the gym or uh, a specific game of tennis or, um, you know, a belly dancing class or some sort of class that you're going to where informal activity is just getting as much, as much movement as you possibly can. And it might be, you know, instead of how many people do I know that work in an office scenario and they email the person that's sitting over there, <laughs> get up and go and speak to them. Or, you know, you, you read in, the, you know, those ladies' magazines, take the stairs, get off the bus stop, a, a stop earlier. It sounds so cheesy. It's true. It works. We're meant to move. We're meant to move. Like, I'm the only one at the airport. Usually, I take the stairs and everybody takes the elevator. I always beat everyone. Get off the elevator. That's where everybody else is. Get on the stairs and you're so much faster. If you're in a hurry, get on the stairs. Like, just take any chance to move that you possibly can. So someone wants to move house, it's the worst job in the world, but offer to help them. It's the best workout you'll ever do. Like, any, any way that you can grab some form of activity or movement in your day. I work with so many clients that... Um, that, have, that, that will just do anything to sort of get movement going in their house. Well, now that they've worked with me, they do. Um, I have one family that has a skipping rope that they have set up in their kitchen, and the family plays the skipping rope game, which is how many skips you can get out in one hit without stopping. But the other, there has to be one family member there that, to witness it. And so they witness it and they put it up on their chalkboard. And so every day there's the who's the skipping master. I mean, it's crazy, but it's a good fun thing to do with a family. Um, it, it, you know, like, it, I guess the thing, great thing about cities is that you see people walking a lot. You know, in New York, everybody walks everywhere. Sydney, pretty much everybody walks everywhere. It's one of the best forms of activity you can find because little by little, you really are chipping away at your daily activity. Even last night, I think you went for a walk with Vivid, right? The, the, I'm learning about this celebration in Sydney, the light celebration. I think a lot of people discount the power of walking, but oh, it is totally. sort of the basic fundamental movement we're supposed to do, and we don't do enough of it. Uh, so. Do you know, I've got um, some clients that I've worked with recently where they, they take now their business meetings, some of their clients, not all of them, but they'll do a business meeting power walk. And they find that they actually get a lot more achieved because the guards come down and people are relaxed, and it's kind of well, this is new, we're gonna go for a walk. And if their client's up for it, you know, you'd be surprised at what actually pops out the other end, rather than going and sitting in a boardroom where they usually bring you, you know, all sorts of uh, food yeah, the, that you don't really need. Yeah, the dopamine release makes happier conversation too. So um, we're obviously in the Apple store and technology is really a part of Apple's DNA. And I think what's been fascinating about the health and fitness industry, even in just the last three to five years, is how much it's transforming through technology. So from making an appointment to go see your doctor on your phone to being socially engaged with other people, you certainly know how many lives you've helped transform digitally rather than physically by showing up just to a, to a gym. Sort of, what do you think about this whole space? Because you've, you've sort of been there like I have when none of this existed. Yeah. But it, I think it's really powerful, and I think it's really exciting to see where it goes. What is your thought about how technology is transforming wellness, fitness, 
It's exciting. It is such an exciting time. Um, you're right. Like, if someone had said to me six years ago, oh, you're going to have this online personal training business, I would have said to them, what? Like, I, I was doing a little bit of online stuff, like emailing clients, clients that weren't nearby to me. I'd email them a program or two. But to where I took the where the 12 week body transformation has gone I would never have dreamed that this was possible like I can literally be training a woman who lives in uh, far northern Queensland on a farm 10 hours away from anywhere she's got no one her husband's gone for days and she's a part of my team she speaks to my ladies in the support crew. She speaks to me. I speak to her. She does my program. She's got my recipes for that week. You know, like that, that only technology can give you that. That accountability of actually being connected to others is really powerful, and they don't necessarily have to be your next-door neighbor. No, no, exactly. And so the idea of, uh, you know, personal training online, people were poo-pooing it at the start because how can you personal train online? It's supposed to be one-on-one. -on -one. But very quickly, what technology has done, or well, certainly for my business, is it's brought people together. So what was or what is on, on a page on your screen suddenly jumps into real life when you're down the supermarket and you're standing next to a lady who's got the same shopping list as you. Hang on a minute, you do the tour? Yeah, I do the tour. Where do you train? I train down there. So do I. You, suddenly, it, you know, people are coming together and I've had so many people meet in real life from this program that they would never otherwise met each other. So technology for me is so not a scary thing. It's to be embraced because it can actually give us more than we realise. Well, I think when people like my mum or my grandmother think of technology, they think of people shutting themselves away in a room and never coming out and just being on this computer. But... <laughs> but Technology gives us just so much more. It brings us together. It allows us to communicate. It allows us to learn things that we never thought we could learn. You know, you always say you don't know what you don't know. Suddenly, we know a lot because we have technology and we have the capabilities of being able to find out a lot. You know, one of the spaces that's really complicated is the nutrition space. People are confused about what to do, um, what to eat. There's always a new trend. Uh, I think technology has certainly helped clarify and direct people to the programs that work best for them. But in your experience, what are sort of the principles that sort of go above any sort of a program? Like someone that's just trying to eat better, what are some simple things that they can do and think about that can transform their nutrition and their diet without necessarily going on a program? Something that's really easy for them that you found is really works and universal. Okay, well, the first thing I noticed that is universal is most of us have paralysis by analysis. We all overthink it. You know, hands up who's an overthinker in the, in the room. You're still probably thinking about whether you should put your hand up or not. It's okay, relax. Um, you're not alone. There's plenty of us out there. And, and I think when it comes to nutrition, we all overthink it or we're all looking for the next shortcut. At the moment, it's all about the paleo. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it on? Is it off? Are you paleo? Are you paleo? Well, I'm sort of paleo. What does it mean? Like, that's the latest. And there's always going to be another one coming, coming our way. Uh, you know, I think for the most part, most of us genuinely know what we should be eating more of and most of us know genuinely what we should be eating less of. Uh, I like to keep it really simple. I don't like to cut things out. As soon as I say, I quit something, I want it. Uh, you know, like, oh, I quit sugar. Really? God damn it. 
I could, I'm sure there's sugar on the back of your hand from that, from that donut you had today. Let me look at, you know, like you just want it straight away. Or I quit alcohol and that's all you, all you want is a glass of red wine. Or, you know, as soon as you say, I've quit carbohydrates, you're, you know, you're usually getting divorced the next week. So it's, it, it gets very complicated and I think we tend to overcomplicate it ourselves because we're all looking for some quick fix. Oh, so you're meant to have lemon in your water every morning. That's the trick. I knew it. Or, you know, oh, you should never eat carbohydrates after five o'clock. That's just the sin. Just never do that. You'll be fine. So it's about, I guess, keeping balance, keeping check with where you're at. Uh, whole foods, foods that come off a tree, foods that come out, come out of a ground. Uh, I go through people's kitchens and clean out their kitchen, their fridge, their freezer and their pantry of all the foods that really are holding them back, like that packet of biscuits that you have in the cupboard because you have you may have guests. The emergency packet of biscuits. You, you might just have in guests, case. right? You haven't had guests for six weeks, but you have to keep replacing those biscuits. Um, and I guess take I, I take my cues from my grandparents, you know, the way that they used to eat. Like they did eat the old you know, three veg and meat, but their plates were smaller. Uh, we had a vegetable. We had some sort of serving of vegetables or fruit with just about every meal. We didn't eat, overeat. Sometimes we'd have a dessert. Sometimes we wouldn't. Um, it was really simple. It wasn't overcomplicated. We didn't eat out that much, and I think that's probably part of the the killer for us in in this day and age. I had an interesting conversation with someone where. We sat down and we thought we're going to solve the nutrition problems of the world. And I, th I thought that I'd solved it. I, this was my thing. I said, okay, imagine if you said to people, you can eat whatever you want, whatever you want. The kicker is you have to make it at home from scratch. How often do you reckon people are going to eat chips? How hard is it to make hot chips at home? You've got to peel the potatoes, then you've got to cut them, then you've got to put, the, you know, put them in the deep fryer. Like, it's, a, it's a nightmare, right? But you can go down the street and get a, 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 some chips like this. So if you say to someone, you can eat whatever you want, but you've got to cook it from scratch, pasta. Have you ever tried to make pasta? Like, it's fun for the first five minutes. And I think when you think of it like that, you can very quickly see that you can eat whatever you want. It's when you put it in the hands of others that you very quickly lose accountability and responsibility for what's going into your body. And the size of what you're eating, it's and easy to finish your plate, the portion, all of that. You know, I think you mentioned something really interesting that something I've noticed is really effective is not always think about nutrition as subtraction, but instead addition, right? You, you're eating too many sugary drinks. Telling someone not to eat them makes you want the next soda. But if you drink more water, you might get rid of some of the sugary sodas. So adding a bag of carrots to eat when you're just trying to fit something in. I think okay, I like that. So you're telling people what they should be adding, adding to there to, rather yeah, than subtracting. Taking it away because you're right. You feel like you need it. But I think, um, and also those tips like eating closer to the ground. I think, I think all of that makes really good common sense. I'm going to ask you something that's a little unconventional because I think the health and fitness space is going through a bit of a transformation. We're hearing more and more about things that would typically not be associated with health and fitness. You know, we typically think of it as exercise, nutrition. But we're seeing in the research that people are losing weight because they're sleeping more. Or they're managing their stress and meditating and they're getting more active. And that they're actually solving their 
eating issues, nutrition issues, their activity issues, and just their overall health issues by going after some of the things we may not have thought about, breathing, meditating, sleeping. What is your thought sort of about that notion? Because I think we might have thought of that as voodoo 10 years ago, and that really that's not health and fitness, that's something else. What do you think about kind of what we're hearing about that? That that is, that's doubling in what I just spoke about earlier in this conversation. That's going back to what is it that that comes from within? So asking what sort of a lifestyle do you want to be leading? Do you want a change of career? Do you want to, what do you want? Do you want to travel? Do you want to buy a house? Do you want to move? Do you want to get a wife? Do you want to get a husband? Do you want to lose a wife? Do you want to lose a husband? Do you want to have kids? You know, when you start, or do do you need to sleep more? I think when people start to, I guess, move in a space where they're living, they truly are living the life that they want, then the then it has a trickle-over effect, certainly in their health, and more th- in most cases than not in in their weight or in their fitness. Uh, you know, sleep, as you mentioned, is one of the major reasons why we have a lot of people that don't that don't lose weight or that have so much high anxiety. They've got a lot of quarters of fat around their midline. Um, heaps of research on stress levels and midline fat, which we know is like the most dangerous. Um, so. It sounds a little bit out there, and I think that a lot of people go, well, that, I just thought I had to go to the gym and do lots of squats. There's actually more to it than meets the eye. And just, just on that note, I'm shooting Biggest Loser at the moment, and uh, I learned, every year I learn so much about that show uh, or about human stories. And uh, we, have, you know, we have our way in every week. And we'll have contestants that have had, like, the perfect week. They've trained their backsides off. They've eaten clean. But there's a lot of stress maybe in the competition or maybe they're missing home or maybe one of the contestants' family members has been voted out. So suddenly their world has fallen apart. You've got to remember these people living in a house 24-7. They don't have a television. They don't have TV. They don't have newspapers. So what goes on inside the house is, like, for them, it's, it's high stress. It's like everyday life, I suppose. But they'll have the perfect week, they'll get on the scales and nothing happens. And they're like devastated. And it's purely because their head wasn't in the game. Well, not in the game, but their head wasn't there. They had a negative headspace uh, and it makes a massive difference. And then you'll see a contestant that gets up and is just in a really great place mentally. Like they're just kicking goals, really positive. And no word of a lie, they'll, they'll drop a heap of weight. It makes a massive difference what's going on upstairs, which is why at the beginning of this conversation, I'm a big believer in mindset and understanding and unraveling your own self-sabotaging techniques or your victim mentality or your blame games. We all play them. I'm not pointing the finger here. We all play them. Uh, And slowly unraveling those, those kinds of issues because they're that they're the key fundamentals. Once that starts, the weight loss begins, the exercise is, is, and, and food becomes a lot easier because you're not fighting it. So I would love to ask you something personal. Is that okay? Shoot. I hope, yes. <laughs> Do you want me to ask something personal? <laughs> um, everyone gets a chance to see you on TV and they've read your books and all that, but I... I'm curious, what do you do that we would unexpectedly not know about to stay active? What, what is sort of your dream day that isn't sort of what someone might expect in terms of how you enjoy staying active? 
Oh, my dream day, I like to train in the morning. I like to get the monkey off the back uh, because then it's, you know, it's off my head. I'm not thinking, oh, I've got to get to, I've got to train, I've got to train because it's, it's important to me and I know how, I know the benefits that it brings me. So I like to get that done in the morning. Now, you and I, we've been in the fitness industry a long time. So that means that we've had a lot of early mornings. Yeah. So I like to think at my age now, I can just, you know, wake up and have a very lovely workout at I don't know, nine o'clock, be nice just to roll into the gym about that time, have a nice workout, maybe a coffee beforehand. Um, and then I might head down the park with my dog. Uh, it would be a great, perfect day. Um, I've just invested in a couple of stand-up paddle boards. So I'd, if I could, if it was nice and warm, I'd be out on those for sure. Um, I'm, I'm, I like to try my hand at anything. I'll give it a go, uh, whether it's surfing or whether it's... Um, you know, belly dancing, pole dancing, I don't care. I'll, I'll give it a go. Uh, I'm certainly not one to think that, that there's only one way. I've got a pretty open mind when it comes to exercise and fitness. And that's because what floats my boat doesn't float your boat. What floats your boat doesn't float his boat. You know, what I'm excited about is anything that gets someone off the couch, whether that be belly dancing or whether that be surfing. Or My girlfriend does trapeze. She loves it. And I think great, that'll do, I'll take that. So certainly stand-up paddleboarding for me would be one. Um, and I like hiking. Yeah, hiking, which is I walking really with like a hiking. nice little hill, which is great. Um, you've mentioned belly dancing three times today. I, I sort of think she likes belly dancing. Yeah, I'm just well, sort of I'm, thinking that's the secret behind I'm it. lousy at it, lousy, but uh, I'll, I'll give it a go. Even pole, I've tried pole dancing, that is damn hard. Bruises everywhere, and I fell off and hit my head, but that's, you know, I gave it a go. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much for sharing. I would love um, for the audience to join in the conversation. Maybe there are a few people out there that have a question for Michelle. If you raise your hand, we'll bring the mic around. And uh, if you could just hold your hand up so we sort of know where you're at. I was wondering if you have any tips or advice when you reach a plateau in your fitness program. Okay, and this is, this is very common. People will, will sort of be like, oh, I've done everything, I've had this great week, I've done all my training, I've done everything you've asked and I've reached all this plateau. And it happens. You know, it swings and roundabouts. You're not always going to be having, knocking it out of the park. So you've got to set yourself up with different goals. So your goals can't always be reliant on what the scales say. Uh, your goals could be that you hit a personal best in a run, or you hit a personal best with a, with a squat or a bench press, uh, or it might be that you've learned a new recipe and you've nailed it. Uh, it, it might even be that you're now uh, starting to think with a, a, a better mindset, or that you've even, it could even be that you've had that straight conversation that you've been meaning to have with your best friend and you've finally got it out of the way. You know, those are the kinds of things that you can have a little win from that doesn't necessarily mean that you're resting everything on what the scales say. And it, it, it's a long life, you know, like, okay, I know that that wedding is in three days' time and you want to wear your favourite dress, but it's a long life. And when you start putting all that pressure on yourself, I've got to lose the weight, I've got to lose the weight, I've got to get skinny, I've got to get into that dress, I've got to get into those jeans, you know, you know, we all know what's on the other side of that, Right? You put yourself on this crazy diet where the, all the nutrition that you're getting is when you lick the bottom of your shoe for a week. That's, that's what I'm going to do for a week. Uh, and then, you know, on the other side of that is you're at a birthday party, you have a piece of cake and you 
once again remind yourself that you can't keep and stick to your word. So this is not just for the wedding or for the genes. This is a long life. It's a lifestyle choice and you're not going to pin your hopes on what that scale says. You're going to pin your hopes on the fact that you've just signed up for the Mother's Day Classic or that you uh, have just joined the gym for the very first time or that you're going to go and do a belly dancing class next week with your friends. Ah! You know, so there's other things to take some enjoyment from rather than just what's on that scale. It's a long life. Thank you. <laughs> you got plenty of time. It's not a race. It's a marathon. <laughs> Thank you. We have another question here? Oh, uh, hi. Uh, firstly, I mean, I think you both are just fantastic people. It's so inspiring already. I'm starting to be a psychologist. I work with uh, many people with mental health disorders, and uh, I'm just a trainee, so I'm not a qualified psychologist just. Let me just say that. Is there any transformation you've seen or any hope you could give, pe give people who are suffering from uh, attentional deficits, ADHD, autism, which is a massive issue in Australia right now and across the world? Absolutely, 100%. Children and adults who suffer from ADD, uh, huge results, and there's plenty of research, as you may, may or may not know, out there to prove so, that exercise is one way that they can channel in their energies, channel in their, their mindset, quieten themselves, quieten the anxiety, and give them a real sense of confidence and a real sense of achievement and empowerment. You know, I... I this is just my own personal view. I do believe that we are definitely over-medicated in this country. And, you know, I think that there's many countries that are similar, that we, we over-medicate and under-prescribe really good, healthy food and, and regular, consistent exercise. I think we've seen the results. I mean, you know, when I first started doing Biggest Loser, I had to really question my, my thoughts around doing a show like that because I, I, I'm all about empowering people and exercise and great nutrition and this is a TV show and oh my God, how do I feel about it? Um, and then, you know, I got through that and I did the show and then the first year I was having to come up against um, journalists, interviews, and, and not all of them, but every now and again I'd get a few that would, you know, sort of say, oh, this is a reality TV show and, you know, what you're doing, is it really helping or is it making it worse? And I'd say, and I go home at night and I think, I know it's making it better, but I've got to prove it to these guys. The numbers. The numbers speak the truth. We get people that come on the show that are on uh, antidepressant medication, huge amounts of um, uh, diabetic medication, like massively so, uh, blood pressure medication. We've had... I cannot even tell you how many people we've had come off that show that are off their, completely off their diabetic medication, completely off their blood pressure medication within the first couple of weeks of being on the show, and in some instances have come gradually off uh, antidepressants as well. Now, this is purely because we are exercising regularly, eating much better food, and we've got ourselves into a habit and routine. I think the interesting point there, too, is that we're reading much more about the fact that our impression of exercise is that it always has to be really intense, but the reality of it is many of those benefits start at the level of a brisk walk, right? Oh, my so God. It, it doesn't need to be the sweaty workout scenario to start seeing benefits or to have health benefits. I cannot agree with you enough. Like, I know on the show they like to show us going, ah! <laughs> and the contestants going, ah! 
because <laughs> that makes great TV, right? But we have, we've had many uh, contestants. I'm thinking of one in particular. He actually had a heart condition. We only found it because he was on the show. Like, this guy could have dropped dead at it like that. It was a pretty severe heart condition that he had. But he came on the show. We took all the, did all the tests. And when they came back, the show had already started filming. And they were like, ah, this guy uh, cannot exercise. So we were like, what do we do? We'll keep him on. It's an amazing story. He's a guy just like any other Australian out there. So he was not allowed to get his heart rate above 130 more than three times a day. So, he, so he's, he was allowed to basically walk for 20 minutes three times a day. That was it. <laughs> we were like, okay. Uh, but we cleaned up his diet. The guy dropped 10 kilos in a week. <laughs> And the doctors were saying, this is amazing. We had another guy that was on severe diabetic medication to the point where his doctor said, you, well, you're going to die from this disease uh, within probably five years. He, he came on the show. He did everything on the show that he did, lost a huge amount of weight, got completely off his medication, went back to that doctor, and, the do and his doctor goes, what have you done? He said, I did everything that you told me. To. He couldn't wait to tell me this story, by the way. Uh, he told me at the finale. I did everything that you told me to do. I exercised, I ate better, and I lost the weight. And the doctor said to him, no word of a lie, I knew it worked. I've just never seen anybody do it. I look, our medical, our medical people in Australia are fantastic. They do great work and they do great stuff, but we under-prescribe exercise and, good, and, good and better food. Yeah. So do we have another question from the audience? One more? A couple there. Hi. I wanted to go back and talk about um, stress levels, anxiety, and cortisol levels. I've read um, Dr. Libby Weaver's The Rushing Woman Syndrome, and it's all about how you continually put yourself in a state of stress, and it causes weight gain, as you are saying, around your midline, which is really bad for your health. If you could say one main top tip on how to reduce stress levels, anxiety, and kind of get that sense of calm, even if it's just like a small thing, what, what do you think it would be the most beneficial, most beneficial thing that we could be doing? Meditation. Okay. Without question. And then after that, subtract from your life. We keep adding to it. And it gets to a point where you just can't keep, you can't add any more. Taking, making a few subtractions, but meditation first and foremost. Do you know, uh, I was speaking with a doctor a couple of weeks ago who mentioned this and said, one of the things we do is paralysis of analysis about meditation, that we think what it means is we need an hour of silence somewhere we've got completely to wear a, quiet. A, we've got to wear yeah. a kaftan. And, um, we've got to burn incense. Yeah. And, and we he, need to be on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. Looking to the east. He suggested that when he <laughs> sees a patient, he takes one minute to have them take five or six deep breaths. And that can change the entire appointment in interacting with a patient who might be nervous or stressed. So I think this notion of meditation, it's becoming broader what we think about uh, it. It doesn't yeah. have to be complicated. It no. can just be a minute of being present. I've just read a book um, by an SS, SAS Navy SEAL called Resilience, and I can't think of the guy's name, but he has a massive chapter just purely on breathing. 
because these guys are in high-stress situations where they could literally die or have one of their guys be killed, uh, and they need to be able to control themselves. They need to be able to keep a level head. And, and part of their training was just purely breathing techniques. And you can do that anywhere. I mean, goodness knows I've done it many a time standing in a bank queue. Breathe, breathe, breathe. It's <laughs> great advice. I think we have one more question. Is there one more? We'll have time for one more question. Hi, I was just wondering, with um, the mental state you were saying at the beginning, when people have gone in cycles and they've failed and started and failed and started and failed and started, and obviously you'd see a lot of people, how do you, what do you do when you get to those people who've done it sort of 20, 30 times and they just, I, you know, I can't keep an exercise regime? Where do you start? You, you just said one of my most favourite words, fail. I love that word because you know what? We are all going to fail. So get over it. You'll fail. Everything you start, every, have you ever done a new project and it's just been perfection? If you have, I'm going to kick you, Jay. No, no. <laughs> that exact comment, even when it is even better than you expect, we have a natural tendency to look at what's missing. So it, it's just part of life. We, we, fa we will fail. You will fail. It's a part of life. In fact, in, in exercise, we have a technique called going to failure where we do, an, we do, let's say it's a bicep curl. That's, that's a bit old school now. Let's say it's a squat. Um, and you'll actually do as many squats as you possibly can on purpose with a really heavy weight to purposely fail on purpose. Then you put that weight down and you pick up the next one and you go again. So you're, you're doing repetitions to failure. We purposely try to fail so that our muscles get stronger. It's exactly the same with your characteristic. It's exactly the same with who you are as a human being. Every time you fail, you put another piece of the chapter together on who you are and the kind of person that you're going to become. Failure is a good thing, and we all need to get over this fear of it. Because when we can, that's when, real, that's when the real magic starts. You start to learn about who you want to be, who you no longer want to be, how you want to live your life, how you don't want to live your life. So failure is not a bad thing. And when you can look at it with a different set of eyes like that, you can be fearless. You can go into things going, yep, yeah, okay, I'll probably fail, but guess what? I'm going to learn on the other side of it and it's going to keep moving forward. I have all of that, the roller coaster going on and it's exhausting. I think it's far more damaging than being overweight will ever be because that roller coaster damages your head which chips away your confidence and it chips away your inner sense of self-worth and it chips away at your self-belief. And so that is far more damaging than being overweight. So it's a case of understanding that I'm going to fail along the way. I say this on my 12-week body transformation, 12 weeks is a long time. You're going to fall off the wagon. Oh, no, I'm not. All shiny and new first week. I'm going to be perfect. No, you're not. You're going to fail. It's going to be days, weeks where it's going to, you know, the shit's going to hit the fan, the wheels are going to fall off. And rather than having these rose-coloured glasses on and pretending that it's not going to happen, let's take them off and understand that it is going to happen and let's make a plan to get you through that. So when shit hits fan, we, we, we're ready for it. We're ready and we're armed. And it's okay. And you're going to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and get back on with it. Carry on. Failing is good. 
I just wish we could all understand that it's okay to fail. That is a perfect message to end with <laughs> because um, I think when you think about sort of how we become successful, it is really about learning and growing and evolving. When um, I think about the fitness industry and the future of the fitness industry and sort of uh, look at the future, I, I wonder what you think um, sort of is next. What, is, uh, what do you think is next for the fitness industry? Well, you know, like we, we're, we're right in the middle of a big uh, outdoors uh, obstacle courses, Tough Mudder. I don't know what it's like in the States. It's pretty big over there as well, yeah? So people are tending to head more outdoors and they want to get dirty and they want to get back to being, you know, guys want to be blokes and girls want to be allowed to get dirty. Uh, and, and that's kind of really a big thing happening at the moment. And it's also bringing community to get together. Um, I think CrossFit has certainly had a massive sweep all around the world. What is next from all of that? I, I, to be honest with you, Jay, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what our next sweeping, awesome, amazing thing is going to be. But I, my gut tells me it will be something to do with technology. There's no question. We've got such amazing technology, not only currently, but what is coming. You know, just even like just even with what I with the watch that you guys were talking to me about, and the incredible uh, apps that are going to become native to this. You know, you can see it's it's all coming, and uh, it's exciting. Like I said, it's an exciting time. It's exciting time to be a part of the health and fitness industry because I think people are understanding that it's all good and well to go back and forth like this and do your job and have all those high anxieties. But going back to my very 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 first question. What is truly important to you? And what could you do to make yourself proud? That is fantastic. Thank you so much for being here tonight and sharing your thoughts with us and also for inspiring so many, to be, so many people to be healthy and fit. We appreciate very much your time and being here with us this evening. Could we give it up for Michelle Bridges? Michelle's going to hang around for a little bit if any of you would like to take a picture or say hello. And uh, thank you very much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to have you here and, and, and just an honor to have you here. So thank you very much.